that is more incentive for marketers to keep people engaged. And if you see them start to become unengaged, you can tweak what you're doing a little bit, maybe segment them more, don't send as often, or you know, send your best hits to these people to try and bring them back before they see that unsubscribe button. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-seven-figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today, one that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible, one that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Hey there, friend. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're joining me here on this bonus episode because it is a timely one and very relevant if you are marketing online because we're talking about email deliverability and the recent changes that Gmail and Yahoo have announced not too long ago. As an online marketer, and just for the record, you might not call yourself an online marketer, but if you are marketing your business online, guess what? You are. So as an online marketer, if you're doing it right, you're emailing your subscribers often. In order to respect privacy, It's really important for these email providers like Gmail and Yahoo to set requirements to support that privacy. So you're emailing a lot, as you should, at least once a week, if not more. And Gmail and Yahoo are like, hold on, we're going to protect the people that you are emailing. And because of that, we, as online marketers, are going to be affected by this. So it's important that we have a pulse on what's going on and understand it. However, I'm not the expert on this. Sure, I teach email list growth, but when it comes down to the behind the scenes rules, regulations, guidelines, changes, well, I wanted to go to somebody who was in the thick of it, that's dealing with it every single day. And so I brought on an expert. Our expert today is Alyssa Doolin. So Alyssa is the head of deliverability and creator growth at ConvertKit. She's responsible for the delivery of over 2 billion emails per month, 
and she's the co-host of the podcast Deliverability Defined and is passionate about breaking down the complexities of email deliverability and helping creators reach the inbox of their audience. Amen. She's my kind of girl. So in this episode, we're going to chat about what email deliverability is, why it matters, the changes that I mentioned, what are they, how do they impact us, and what can we do about it? And if we get stuck in what I call Gmail jail, how do we get out of it? We're going to talk about all of it. Also, I just want to say that I could have chosen many people to come on the show to talk about this, but one, Alyssa is the expert of all experts. Also, I love ConvertKit. So I always tell my brand new students, if you're just starting out, I love ConvertKit. I think you should start out with ConvertKit. There's so many options out there, I get it, but ConvertKit will grow with your business. And you can get started for free or really low, depending on kind of what program you wanna get started with. amyporterfield.com forward slash ConvertKit is where you can go to check it out. I am a partner, I have been for many, many years. I love this company. So if you're looking for an email service provider that's gonna take care of you, has great customer experience, is easy to use, you can get up and running, ConvertKit. So that's amyporterfield.com forward slash ConvertKit. I cannot say enough good things about them. And I'm very excited to have Alyssa on. So let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. I am so very glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We have a lot of important stuff to talk about. And so I'm going to get right to it. Can you share a little bit about you know who you are and your experience? Like, why am I bringing you on the show to talk about this topic today? Yeah, of course. So my name is Alyssa Doolin, based in Nashville, which is so fun that we <laughs> live in the same city. I know. We city. just found out that we're both <laughs> in the same town. Love that. Um, next time, we'll do this in person. Um, but I am the head of creator growth and deliverability at ConvertKit. I have been doing deliverability at ConvertKit specifically for five years and have been doing email deliverability for seven um, at another email provider. So been doing this for a while. And as we're going to talk about today, there are some huge changes, probably the biggest changes I've ever seen in this space. So we want to make sure your listeners have all the information, know what to do. But actually before I was in deliverability, I was a high school math teacher, fun fact. So I still love teaching, which actually works really well for this line of work where you're helping educate people about some tricky topics. Absolutely. So this is a very important topic because there's been a lot of changes recently and we want to address them, but let's just start at the top. So what is email deliverability and why does it matter? Yes. Great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, deliverability is one of those words that if I just like threw it out at a coffee shop somewhere, people are like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> email deliverability is essentially referring to whether your emails are landing in the inbox or the spam folder or just bouncing completely. Um, so that's what we're referring to when we're talking about email deliverability. And another term I'm going to throw around probably a few times today is reputation. Um, every sender out there sending email has a reputation tied to their domain, which is really important to know when it comes to deliverability. You can kind of think of it like a credit score, but it's just good to know that when you're out there sending messages, one way that people like Gmail and Yahoo are determining where your message should go is through your own reputation that you hold. And we can get more into what that means and how to have a good reputation. Um, but email deliverability is so important because, you know, you're putting so much time into your emails, trying to make them look nice, match your branding, have the right copy, have the right call to action. You want them to convert. And if they're landing in people's spam folders, they can't do any of that. 
They're likely not going to be seen at all, which means your emails can't work for you. And then sometimes they are seen and you don't want to be seen in the spam folder. It's not really good for your brand. It can hurt your relationship with your audience. So that's why it's really important to know um, at least what you need to know about email deliverability, keeping your reputation high to make sure that all that effort you're putting into your email marketing doesn't go to waste and that your emails can be delivered. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, I want to talk about that reputation score, but we're going to come back to that because I think we first need to talk about these recent changes that were announced by Gmail and Yahoo. Uh, will you talk about what are the changes and when will they go into effect? Yes. So Gmail and Yahoo um, announced these new changes in the last few months and there's kind of a lot of changes, but really the best way to bucket them is by um, number one, authenticating your emails. Authentication is sort of the really technical part of email. So I will not go too in the weeds. Um, most people don't need to know all of the ins and outs of that. Um, but the main thing to know about authentication is that there are some technical pieces of email that are important to make sure that you are who you say you are when you send email. And that's to prevent spammers from coming in and saying, you know, I'm XYZ and I'm tricking you and I want to take your money or whatever it is. So authentication is really important and Gmail and Yahoo are cracking down on it a bit, which we'll definitely get more into. Second is making it easy to unsubscribe, which hopefully everyone already has that one down, but really just making sure that in every single email you send, there is an unsubscribe link. And then third is keeping spam complaint rates low which is when someone marks your message as spam. And we can get into what that means, how to make sure it's low, but the threshold they've given is 0.1%, which you can think of as one person complaining out of every 1,000 recipients. Okay, so before we get any further, let's just break down what you just said. So first of all, the authentication. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what does that look like? What do we need to do? I understand it's more techie and people can Google it to figure out but what do we need to know right now? Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. So one really important thing to know, authentication has always been required. And if you are sending emails successfully, you are already doing it. But what's changed, there is an element to it that's changed, is in the past, you were able to use your email provider like a ConvertKit. You could use them for the authentication part. And that's what a lot of people have been doing. And that was totally fine. What Gmail and Yahoo are saying now is that, um, especially bulk senders is what they're calling them. That's anyone who sends 5,000 emails in a given day. Um, you need to authenticate using your own domain. It cannot be your email provider's domain. So that's the big change here that is kind of, um, you know, a lot of people are having to go make changes. The good news is a lot of email providers have made this so easy, especially ConvertKit. So you don't, again, need to know the ins and outs of authentication. There are lots of acronyms involved. Really what you need to do is go to your email provider and figure out how do you set up, we call it a verified sending domain. Other people call it a custom domain, an authenticated domain. Any reputable email provider will have a way for you to do this. And they probably have help articles on it. At ConvertKit, we actually have a new integration where you can do this without even leaving ConvertKit. It'll set up the DNS records for you, which is crazy. It connects to your domain host. So that's kind of the bright side of this. It sounds really scary and technical, but email providers have done a lot of the heavy lifting. So where you can just set this up in a few clicks, you might have to go into your 
domain host and add a few CNAME records, depending on which email provider you use. But that's the big change here is that you can't use your email provider's domain for this authentication. It has to be your domain. Great to know. And the great news is if you use ConvertKit, they've made it very easy for you, which I highly recommend you use ConvertKit. And if not, it sounds like some of the others are probably going to follow suit and hopefully make it easy for you so you don't have to scramble. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, a quick question about that one. Why do you think Google and Yahoo are doing that with authentication? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of people are like, why? Why is this happening? So it's really to make email a better and safer place for all of us. So, you know, surprisingly, I don't know if it's surprising, billions of spam emails are sent each day. I actually um, looked it up because I was curious. And I believe it was over 164 billion emails a day are spam emails from email tool tester. Um, did some research there. So it's crazy how much spam is sent. And Gmail and Yahoo are having a hard time deciphering between the bad senders and the good senders. So they made these changes to make it harder for spammers to spam and also for them to have an easier time saying, oh, this is Amy Porterfield. She is a great sender. Put her straight in the inbox. Um, so the good news is like in the past when Gmail has tried to crack down on spammers, sometimes they've accidentally caught the good guys in with the spammers and we'll see those changes happen and people say, oh no, my emails are going to spam and then Gmail will kind of undo what they did. So this is kind of good news in the grand scheme of things that now it'll be way easier for Gmail and Yahoo to have confidence that you are a good sender and then to keep the spammers out of our inboxes, which we all love. Okay. So that. This could be a silver lining for us marketers. When we're doing good work and it's in full integrity, this could actually support us down the road. So that's good to know. So let's talk about the second one. It was unsubscribes, right? Mm -hmm. So what is that one? Like, give me some more detail about that. And then why do you think that one has become such a big one? Yeah. So the really big requirement here for unsubscribes actually falls on your email service provider again. So like the convert kit um, for marketers, you just need to make sure you have that unsubscribe link in place in all your emails, which you should anyways, because that's <laughs> the law. Um, yeah. So that's why I thought this was a law. So why is this even coming up now? So the reason is they're actually making changes for us um, email providers like ConvertKit. We have to add a new email header, which is in the background. It's really for like the robots to see and not the humans. That makes it easy for Yahoo and Google to do what maybe some of us have seen these days where you're in your inbox and there's a little unsubscribe button all of a sudden. And you're like, huh, where did that come from? So that um, this new header that email providers have to be compliant with is making sure that Yahoo and Google can offer those one-click unsubscribe options to subscribers. Now, as a marketer, I don't love this yeah. one because uh, I want to be like, give me a chance. Hold on. Read my email before you see that big subscribe button. Give me a chance. You need this email. But I think it's very easy to just boom, click it. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. 
You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you wanna make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. So... Could you, I know this wasn't really part of the interview. We were just going to talk about, you know, what are these changes, but as an email marketing expert, can you think of one thing that my listeners could do so that when people see that unsubscribe at the very top from Gmail, that their uh, readers aren't so quick to click it? Like what can we do in our emails to save us? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that Gmail is going to stick to this logic, but in the past I've seen where they won't show that unsubscribe button until the person has become unengaged with your emails for quite a while. Yeah. So I'll see it on some emails and not on others. And usually the ones that I open (laughs) regularly, they don't show it because they're like, we know you like this. (laughs) That makes sense. So that really says a lot right there. If you are sending great emails, great subject lines, right away hooking people, full of value, then they're engaging with those emails. That shouldn't even pop up. It shouldn't even be an issue. Right. As long, you know, Gmail can change things any day now. So who knows? But as I think it's in their best interest to keep things that way because it is smart. It's like, hey, we know you're not opening these emails. We have all that data. I'm going to show you an unsubscribe button to make your life easier. But they don't want to show that on your favorite newsletter that they know you open every day. So that is more incentive for marketers to keep people engaged And if you see them start to become unengaged, you can tweak what you're doing a little bit. Maybe segment them more. Don't send as often or, you know, send your best hits to these people to try and bring them back before they see that unsubscribe button. Yes. Okay. Love that. 
All right. And then the third one, so we talked about the unsubscribed and how that really is an email service provider thing and it's kind of behind the scenes, but it's going to happen. And the third one was spam. So talk a little bit about what that looks like and why it's happening. Yes. So this is a really interesting one. Spam complaints have always hurt sender reputation, but Gmail have come out and given this very straightforward guideline of 0.1%. And that is where you're going to start to see some more spam filtering if you hit those complaint rates. And then they've even said once you hit 0.3%, which is every three subscribers out of a thousand recipients, um, then it'll get even worse. Your domain reputation is going to take a hit. You'll see more spam filtering. So it's nice to have transparency around what they expect. But something interesting about Gmail complaints, I'll try to make this as not technical as possible, but you might see when you log into your email provider, you can see your complaint subscribers. Um, I know on ConvertKit, when you're in your subscriber section, you see your active subscribers and you can go down to complain subscribers and see who's marked me as spam. And you might look through that list and be like, oh, wow, no Gmail subscribers ever marked me as spam. I'm doing great. But that's because Gmail does not operate that same feedback loop that most mailbox providers do, like Microsoft and Yahoo. So they don't tell you. <laughs> if someone marks you as spam, Gmail has never told you that information. There's no way to get it. So a lot of senders are really in the dark on this topic. They don't know how many spam complaints they're getting at Gmail. So one thing that I really want to recommend everyone go do after you listen to this episode is go set up what's called Google Postmaster Tools. You can just Google that and it'll come right up. And this is the tool Gmail has provided for senders to see your spam complaint levels. You won't get to see individual subscribers who have complained, but you'll see the overall rates. And you'll also see your domain reputation, which is amazing. They can rate it from bad to high. You definitely want it to be either like medium or high. High is, you know, the best and what you would aim for. Once you get down to medium, low, or bad, that's when you're going to see your emails go to the spam folder. So that is the only way to have insight into how your spam complaint rates are doing. But it is a really helpful tool. And without it, you will be in the dark about this. So I highly recommend everyone go do that. Google Post Master Tools is what they're Googling. Yes. Okay, great. That's that's a huge tool. Yes. Um, I'm assuming my marketing team is doing that, but you can bet I'm going to be finding out the minute we get off of here. <laughs> so that is great to know. So, okay, so that's spam. And anything that you can think of in terms of helping people not get dinged for spam. So when someone opens their email and they signed up for that. Like, obviously, you're not putting anyone on your email list or you're not emailing anyone who hasn't opted in. We're just going to take that as a given because, right, that's what we teach and that's what my students are doing. But you could still, someone still could hit that spam button even if they've opted in. So any tips on helping us stay out of that dark hole? Yes, definitely. So the number one way I see good senders get into high complaint rates is actually there are people who didn't sign up for your list, but you weren't being malicious. Um, it's what we call list bombing. So you might see that happen if you see a bunch of weird looking email addresses coming through your form. Sometimes they're actually hard to notice as being weird email addresses, but that happens when a spammer is just hitting every form they can find on the internet and putting a ton of email um, email addresses through that form that didn't actually sign up to be there. Wait, why is that even happening? Why would anyone do that? It's crazy, but it happens 
every day I see it constantly. And actually uh, an employee at ConvertKit had a family member that was kind of like, they were one of the people who got added to the list. And I've heard of this scenario a lot. And here's what happens. A, you know, spammer gets a list of logins on, you know, the black market, whatever it is. And let's say it's logins to Wells Fargo and it's an email address and a password. They're going to access these accounts, but they don't want the person to get an email notification that their account has been accessed. So they pump these email addresses through tons and tons of forms. And then that person's inbox is completely flooded and they miss the warning notification that their bank has been accessed. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. This is an education for me today. I knew this is going to be good, but wow. Okay. So it might not even be our fault. We're emailing the list that we've worked really hard to curate. And then all of a sudden there's a bunch of people that shouldn't be on the list. And then they're getting our emails thinking, who is this Amy Porterfield check? And they're hitting spam. I see it happen daily to innocent food bloggers and crafters and you know teachers with email lists. It's terrible. So, so what can you do about something like that? Yeah. So I will, again, I'm really not trying to like plug and break it over and over, but I obviously work hard on this and we have a team who does. So we have a really amazing automated bot protection system that's working in the background and scoring people who are on your website and signing up. And if it looks like it could be a bot, we will show a recapture. And if they can't fill out that recapture, then they are not added to your list. Oh, nice. Okay. So yeah, I've had that experience where find the the motorcycles and all the pictures. And then like the handlebar is in one of the boxes and you're like, do I click both boxes or one? It's maddening. But yes, I'm with you. Okay, that's great. So ConvertKit has that functionality. Yes, so that's one thing I recommend. In order for that functionality to work, you have to be using ConvertKit's actual forms on your website. You can't use like um, an integration. So that's a note there. If you're not using a ConvertKit form, Double opt-in is one way to try and keep them out. They will receive that initial email from you saying, click here to confirm you're on my list. And you might get some spam complaints from that one because they didn't even sign up for that. So it's not perfect, but at least they won't be on your list in receiving all your emails. And then second is just adding a recapture yourself to your own form, however you have it built or whatever email provider you're using. I know a lot of people don't love recapture, which is why at ConvertKit, we only show it if it's a likely bot. Which is okay. Nice. Makes me kind of appreciate that a little bit more. That's good to know. Now ab about the spam, you said it's 0.01 or 0.1. I forget. 0 0.1. So 0 0.1. Mm -hmm. Does that seem uh, low to you, high to you? Does that seem fair to you as an email marketing expert? I think it does. It seems fair. I still see good senders hit it um, regularly. So it's not like an out of reach number where it's like, oh, the only way you could hit that is if you're doing something you know, crazy. It's not difficult to hit it, but um, with the right education, you can stay below it, keeping your list really clean. I know you asked for some more tips there. So um, I mean, email list cleaning is helpful, making sure that once people are becoming unengaged, you're trying to re-engage them and then eventually letting go of the people who are just not engaging. And that's that in double opt-in, recaptcha, those are the main ways I see. If people have those things in place, they can usually stay below 0.1% pretty easily. You know, speaking of double opt-in, I don't even want to go down this road because it's such a such a hard thing to decide. A lot of my students will say, Amy, I've got a double opt-in in, but I see like so many people not taking the next step. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I got to ask, do you have any tips for that? 
Do you have any tips for making the double opt-in work better for my listeners? I'm so glad you asked. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So one big mistake I see often is that people try and disguise the double opt-in or they try to make it fancy, which I get. You know, you're a marketer. You like want to make it like an intro email or like click here to receive a freebie. But the thing is, after seeing thousands of people's, you know, strategies, it just doesn't work for double opt-in because people need to know you know, that action is required. It needs to be a really short email. It needs to have a clear call to action and say, you must click here to stay on my list. And then people who signed up and want to be there, they're going to click that button most likely as long as they didn't get too distracted or busy and didn't see the email, which of course happens sometimes, but that helps a ton to just keep it simple, straightforward, make it a double often email. But when people turn it into like um, an incentive email where it's like, here's your free PDF that you signed up for. And you're not mentioning like, you have to click this link. This is a double opt-in. Um, you're saying, you know, click here to download the guide. What I see is people, you know, who signed up for that thing, they wanted it, but maybe they're, you know, now they're driving in their car or they're still at work and they're like, oh, I'm going to open that later. And then they forget about it. And they didn't know they had to do that to stay on the list. So then they just never get on the list because the double opt-in wasn't clear that action was required. So that's my number one tip there. Okay. That's really good. I, I totally understand what you're saying now. Let's not disguise it. Let's tell people, you won't receive any more of my emails if you don't click this link. We don't have to word it like that, but let's just be very upfront and clear. And you make a great point that if you are very upfront, clear, and keep it simple, and they don't take the action, 95% of them uh, want to. The 5% that just they're not interested, then they're not interested but at least tell them what is going on and just focus on that. Then you can send them all that you need to send them afterwards. So great advice. Love that. So, okay. So we talked about these changes. When is the deadline? When do they go into effect? Yeah. So they've said February, which we're in February now, is when things will start to happen. And by start to happen, they've said that they will start to defer messages that aren't compliant this month. It's been a pretty vague time. And what deferring means is that they will temporarily kind of reject your email that's coming in, but they'll eventually deliver it to the inbox. So for some senders, if you're impacted by this, this might look like you go to send your email and the open rate is just not as high as it usually is. Um, even like a few hours after sending, you're like, huh, it's normally up to 20%, but it's only 5%. You might be seeing these deferrals, that, and then eventually, um, within a few hours probably, you'll see things are back to normal. People did get the message, but it took a while. And Gmail is wanting this to be sort of a warning signal to senders and to email providers to say like, hey, here are the people who need to get compliant with these new requirements. Um, and then they've said it that in April, they haven't given an exact date, but in April, they'll start to then bounce or send to spam the emails that are still not compliant. So people have between February and April to make sure that they are up to speed. Now, if you are sending less than 5,000 emails you know, a day, then you might think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. But the rumor is it's gonna apply to everyone eventually. And so I say, it doesn't matter how many people you're sending to, get compliant now so that when things start to progress, you're ready. You're not worried. You're like, I got it taken care of. Do you agree with that? I totally agree. And, you know, people's lists are growing quickly. You just never know how it might be a short amount of time that you get to that 5,000 number. So it's like, go ahead and be prepared so that you're not stressed when you get to that point and scrambling to get things ready. 
And they might say, you know, in a couple months, okay, now if it's 3000 or more and you're like, ah, I didn't think of this applied to me. So let's just get it locked in. And then the final question I have for you is what if, what if we get dinged? So what if we hit the 0.3 spam or whatever? Is there a way to get back in the good graces of Yahoo in Gmail? Yes, there is. I work with people on this all the time. A lot of times you'll know this has happened to you by, again, if you can set up that Google Postmaster tools, you'll have a great view into what Gmail thinks of you. So you'll know, oh no, I've hit this 0.3%. My domain reputation is down to low. This means like it's repair time. So what I recommend people do at this time is, if possible, exclude any cold or unengaged subscribers that you have for at least two weeks. I know some people might be like, no, but it is really helpful for repairing your reputation. And then during that two weeks, it's really important. Try and find the root cause. Usually if you're hitting a 0.3% complaint rate, there is something going on, whether it's that list bombing we talked about. Sometimes I'll look into people's accounts and I'm like, did you know you're emailing people three times a day? And they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. All of my automations are running at the same time. So there are so many different reasons this can happen, but that's the most important thing is find the issue, resolve it, and then give Gmail and Yahoo like at least two weeks of you sending to your very best people. Because what that will do is boost positive signals. They're going to see tons of opens from your subscribers, tons of clicks. Replies are a superpower for deliverability. If you can get people to reply to your emails in those two weeks and also anytime, that's another really strong signal that's going to boost your sender reputation. So if you can do that for a solid two weeks and then make sure that the really cold subscribers are getting removed from your list, you know, people who haven't opened in six months or more, I would say is a good frame of reference that you need to either start re-engaging them or removing them. And then you should start to see your reputation go back to normal. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad I asked that because there, there's a way out of it, my friends. If we get stuck in Gmail jail, there's a way out of it. Alyssa, can you think of anything else just to kind of round us out? Anything else you're like, oh, she should have asked me this, or I just wanted to add one more thing just so my listeners are feeling really supported around all these changes. Um, I will say if you're a ConvertKit customer and you're freaking out about this or worried about this or need help with this, you can email help at convertkit.com and me or my fun coworkers will help you. So um, you're not alone. <laughs> I have a lot of ConvertKit uh, customers listening today. And I said this in the intro and I'll say it again. I'm a huge fan of ConvertKit. If I was starting over, I would absolutely be using ConvertKit. One of the things I love about your tool is you can grow with it. So I've got a lot of people listening. They're just starting out a few hundred on their list. A lot of people have 20,000 on their list. And I feel like ConvertKit grows with your company. Plus you have the best team ever and the customer support is unmatched. So amyporterfield.com forward slash convert kit. If you're looking, if you're just starting out, absolutely. This is the tool that I recommend. If you're looking to make a change, absolutely. Uh, amyporterfield.com forward slash convert kit. Check it out. Alyssa, thank you so very much. I so appreciate you. And I'm so glad that you came on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to chat about deliverability with you. Right? Who, who wouldn't want to spend a day talking about it? I love it. Thanks again, friend. Take care. Bye. So there you have it. Like I said at the beginning, this episode is a requirement if you are marketing online. So I'm so glad you stuck around. I learned a lot. You can bet that I'm literally going to call my marketing director right now and be like, 
Okay, let's go over a few things here. So this is really, really valuable to me. I hope it was for you as well. I think that the host master tools, that was probably the biggest takeaway from this. And also, I really do want you to check out ConvertKit if it's something that kind of piques your interest. It's an incredible company. All right, so now you know what's going on. You know that these things are rolling out right now. I don't care how many people are on your email list, I want you to take them seriously so that you can make sure that you are protecting yourself, but also making sure you're getting out in front of the people that have raised their hands and said, yes, I want to hear from you. As always, thanks again for joining me. If you never, ever, ever want to miss an episode, sign up for my weekly newsletter at amyporterfield.com forward slash podcast. I will always let you know when there's a new episode, especially when there's a bonus episode like this. amyporterfield.com forward slash podcast. Can't wait to see you. Same time, same place next week. Bye for now.